With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. Lots happened over the weekend. The NFL wildcard weekend, lots of news in college football. Some, a lot of basketball as well. Some highs, some lows, some very, very cold. All happened over the weekend. We'll get into all the talk around Texas football. The departures, the arrivals, all of that happening in Texas. We'll get into... Uh, the NFL wildcard weekend and the positives and the negatives and who's getting fired and who should be fired and who should be traded and who should be cut and who takes the blame and who takes the credit. We'll get into all of that here on the sports complex today. We will get into college basketball and is it time to start panicking at Texas? We'll get into that and the NBA and maybe some trades kept coming and maybe some teams and everybody playing on MLK day. We'll even update you on the games that are happening uh, right now. And, of course, the Steelers and Bills happening right now as well. That game was postponed to today. That game is happening right now. We'll give you updates on that as well. Uh, And, of course, your text messages. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. So, your reactions to a wild card weekend and the week at uh, Texas football, all of that, or Texas basketball, any of that that you want to put on there, send that in on the text line, 512-447-3776. I know my man Nate already texted in before the show to try and try and let me take it easy on the Cowboys, which probably is not going to happen. I don't think anyone's going to take it too easy on the Cowboys today after that. But let's start uh, with some Texas news. Is this was one that was that there was consistent news coming out, especially on a Saturday and Sunday, uh, about what was happening at Texas. We can start off telling you that Jade Barron, who was the last name that could still enter the draft, that was a questionable to come back or enter the draft. Jade Barron, uh, probably the best uh, 
defensive back for many years for Texas. Not one of the younger guys, but the guys that are still there. Uh, Jody Barron is returning. He put out on his Instagram that he will be returning uh, to the 40 acres next season, giving you a little bit more depth in that secondary where so many guys had walked away or were going to the draft or were, were leaving Texas that you really need some help. Uh, Jade Barron is Lee is coming back to Texas, and one of the reasons he might be coming back is we also got the report that Dwayne Aquina, the coach for a long time, the defensive backs coach for a long time at Texas under Mac Brown, uh, so many great defensive backs came out of uh, that that team and, and that coaching scheme and that what Dwayne Aquina did and, and progressing defensive backs, everything that he brought to this Texas team that with Johnny Nansen, he was working for him in Arizona, that he gets the call. He will be returning to Texas to work with some of these defensive backs and that maybe Jade Barron wants to work with another guy that give him another, some more input on how to become an NFL DB another year in that system to, to help develop. And so that is big news there. We also saw that Isaiah Bond, the wide receiver that was the leader in targets and leader receptions, uh, at Alabama this season, he entered the transfer portal basically immediately after Nick Saban stepped down. He did not wait for the uh, for the news of who was coming. He did not necessarily care who was going. If Nick Saban wasn't there, he was ready to move on, uh, and he moved on to Texas. So Isaiah Bond gets another uh, star wide receiver in there to go with Matthew Golden, who's a good player. You still have guys like Jontae Cook that are on this roster that are. Uh, that played some last year as a freshman. You have some good young players, and they may not be done in that world either uh, with Isaiah Bond transferring to Texas. Keep in mind that the transfer portal is still open at Alabama. Some names could still come out there. The transfer portal is open for 30 days at Washington now as well with Kalen DeBoer taking that job, uh, which we can mention Jabbar Muhammad has entered the transfer portal in Washington, and that is a name to uh, watch for Texas. The defensive back Jabbar Muhammad, who is also uh, Cousins, with Texas player Manny Muhammad, Malik Muhammad, he is there. He apparently has taken a visit to Texas, has interest there, or not has taken a visit. Texas went to go visit him in uh, Dallas. He was interested in Texas, so he's also interested in Oregon. And we know that Dan Lanning is staying in Oregon, and he is a great recruiter. So we will see where he ends up, and that's also closer in the area. You're playing some teams more that you know if you stay in that area, uh, if you go from Washington to Oregon. So that may be more likely, but we'll see what Jabbar Muhammad does, but that's another one to keep an eye on. And finally, Jed Fish uh, is hired to replace Kalen DeBoer at Washington, and this does affect Texas in a couple of different ways. It's the last piece of Texas news that is not fully fleshed out of what is happening. So in one way, it leads to uh, the transfer portal now be open for 30 days in Arizona as the coaching changes may have been made. And the defensive coordinator from Arizona is now the linebackers slash co-DC at Texas. And he could, if those, if any of those players do decide to enter the transfer portal, guys like Jacob Manu, who is their leading tackler, linebacker, or uh, Takario Davis, the defensive back with 15 pass deflections, another good young player there. If one of those guys decides to get in the transfer portal because they want to go with Dwayne Aquino or they want to go with Johnny Nansen, then maybe one of those guys ends up in a Texas. On the flip of that, where we say all this stuff is two-sided, uh, the hashtag that is put out by guys like Jacob Manu, Takario Davis, is hashtag hire Nansen, that the linebackers coach that Texas hires is now 
thought to be at least, at least the players want him to be sought after as the head coach for Arizona. So a position where he had left Arizona could end up, you know, stepping up and saying, well, you know, I took the, I went down from linebacker coach to Cody C, but if they do want to hire me to be a head coach, it's going to be hard for me to turn that position down. May go back to Arizona. None of that's no, you know, we don't know yet. That is all pretty new stuff. Uh, is that the news came out yesterday? So I'm sure that he has been in talks with them, but that's something to keep an eye on as well because if he decides to stay at Texas or they at Arizona decide to go a different way, some of these players really like Johnny Nansen. They are big fans of him, and it could be something where you see them trying to figure out if they have an opportunity to come to Texas, they may do that, or we may see that they get their way and Arizona says, let's keep the guy that everybody likes on that defense and uh, bring him as a, in as our head coach. Those are both options, but a lot of stuff coming out uh, for Texas over the over the weekend from Jade Barron to Dwayne Aquina to Isaiah Bond to Jabbar Muhammad to Jed Fish and how that all affects Texas. A lot of news uh, for a offseason that is still rolling right along. Uh, there is still a few other uh, targets that Texas is looking at in the transfer portal, but again, we know the transfer portal continues to kick on because we've got almost 30 days more of Alabama. We've got almost 30 days more of Washington. We don't know with Harbaugh. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a little bit, but Harbaugh could be ending up in in the NFL, and if Harbaugh ends up in the NFL, that opens 30 days at Michigan. We know there's 30 days at Arizona where Texas has ties. So none of this stuff is probably drying up anytime too soon. All right, uh, let's give you a quick update uh, on the NFL game if you're watching that. I believe Pittsburgh just threw an interception, but they're saying it's down, maybe an incompletion, but our – Buffalo is up 14-0 with 3.20 left in the first quarter, uh, and it's a fourth and nine. They're going to get the ball back right here. Buffalo seeming to take it to Pittsburgh uh, right now. Unless they turn it around, this may be a blowout that Pittsburgh was just not ready to get into the playoffs, and uh, that's not that surprising. That's not that surprising. All right. We filibustered long enough to get into some Cowboys talk and the Packers and the Cowboys. And I know I want to hear you guys and what your takes are on this on the text line. 512-447-3776. You know, you've had you've had a little bit more time to digest it now. You've been close to 24 hours to digest. I mean, especially if we're just going to say you only have to, you could have been digesting 40 minutes into the game because it did not start well for the Cowboys. It did not go well. They were able to do some things de- uh, offensively once the defense basically let off of them. They were able to start moving the ball a little bit better offensively. The defense never really came around in that game. The Cowboys lose 48-32. to It was never really a game. At one point, the Packers are up 27-0. to And it's never good. It's never good if you're a team and you have to, you have, to have the argument which coach sucked more, which side of the ball sucked more. That's not a great side of the argument of, you know, was it, did it matter that, that the Dallas defense was sticking out light packages and, and putting six plus DBs out there over and over again, even though Aaron Jones is running all down your throat? Aaron Jones does whatever he wants, goes for 118 yards and three touchdowns, and you're sticking to six DBs because you don't want to get burned by Jordan Love. However, he still throws for 272 and three touchdowns, gets what he wants as well. Is that, is that not a problem that you're, you know, you do sit, look at that side of the ball? And you go, well, Dan Quinn's clearly the problem because there are formulas to beat him. And whether it is he has tells where you can tell whether he's rushing and what he's doing 
or you know how you can move the ball and divert attention the same way the Texans did, which we'll get to them in just a minute, the same way the Texans did against Miles Garrett is what the Packers did against the Cowboys to eliminate a guy like Micah Parsons from the equation because you're only using him in pass rush and they're going to be able to move Jordan Love and and chip on you and do whatever else to keep you further and, and less less effective for the entire game and I mean really not effective at all and then put you into a run game that you're not stopping the run game because you're still pass rushing the entire game is it Dan Quinn's fault is it Dan Quinn's fault that he could not get a stop and could not get them off the field or is it Mike McCarthy's fault because 27-0 still has a big zero in front of it it still has the ability that they started to adapt and they started to figure out this Packers defense that, yeah, if you if you said, okay, well, if you hold them to 14 to zero, then maybe, maybe Dallas starts to figure it out and they get back, you know, and, you know, you get a pick six in there, which you never want to see if you're the Cowboys and it just ends poorly for you there that your defense then gives up even more points in that 27-0 that they gave up more. You don't want to see that. But at the end of the day, the reality is that the Cowboys had some major flaws that everybody knew, flaws in defending the run and running the football, things that are big in championship football, big in playoff football, those flaws that did never seem to be addressed, flaws that not trying to acquire somebody at the trade deadline, not trying to go out and find other linebacking help. And I know you, Demo got hurt. Overshawn got hurt. That's not good. You wanted him. I know Van Der Esch got hurt. But you, let's not pretend that half the people were okay if Van Der Esch didn't get re-signed in the offseason. And he's that valuable that he's the reason you lose in a first-round game. There's just too many problems on this Dallas team that were, were evident from the preseason through the end of the season, and they were never addressed. And it goes back to what the problem with the Cowboys on a multiple levels is is the Cowboys are never going to be a team that goes all in or feels the need to go all in. They did not progress as the season went on. This is a Cowboys team that was the same Cowboys team week one as they were week 17. And they were good week one. So they said, well, we're good. We can do these things. But they never found a run game. They got better at running. They never found a run game, though. It wasn't like Tony Pollard is having 100-yard rushing games. It's never like they ran him 20 times a game like Mike McCarthy said they should at the end of last season. That was Kellamore's whole problem. They ran the ball less because it was less effective. But Dak was playing better. So you kept going. But that was, but that was what you had week one and you had week, week 18. You had the same team. Defensively, you knew you got killed in some games, but those were fluke games. Week one, week 18, same defense. And you look at a Packers team that grew and got better. And we had confidence because they were getting better and they didn't believe they were entitled to anything. Whereas the Cowboys world, you get entitled a little bit more. You're the Cowboys. You're the underdog because they're getting mad at you, but you're good enough. And I'm not saying they don't work hard. That's silly to say they don't work hard. Of course they do. Not saying they didn't practice hard, but I'm saying the game plan from a coach like Mike McCarthy is not going to be to get his guys riled up to remind the Dallas Cowboys that nothing's a given in the NFL, nothing's a given in the playoffs, to go out there and to play our game. And if we play our game, we'll beat anybody. We'll beat anybody. 
And when you play your game and will beat anybody, it's hard to progress during the season because you don't try different things. You don't change up to play different defenses and you don't put in new plays throughout the season to to try and get in. And I'm sure Mike McCarthy put in a few new plays during the season. I don't want to, you know, dumb him down to that level. But you really tried to play Dallas Cowboys football week after week. And by the time you got to wild card weekend, Dallas Cowboys football was the same as it was week one. And you were able to, as a coach, break down the footage and look at the Arizona games and look at every game in the Shanahan tree and say, okay, what are those guys doing where they're able to get impact on this team and where are they able to get their points? And Matt LaFleur put together a great game plan, a really great game plan. On both sides of the ball, the the Packers coaching staff put together a great game plan. And Dallas went out trying to play their style of football, got punched in the mouth, and it ends up not being surprising that the team couldn't get up for it, didn't was not up for it, didn't get up for it, couldn't get up for it. And while they tried to step up later in the game, neither the offense or the defense felt the, the pressure and the intensity that it was a playoff game. They treated it the same way they treated week one through week 18. They went out there, and they never turned it on, and they never got big on it. You never saw the intensity on anybody's face. You saw them just get beat by a team that wanted it more because the Cowboys wanted to win a Super Bowl. But they didn't want to win that week because it was week one, week 18. And we'll get that Super Bowl and we'll win that. We'll be up for the Super Bowl. But you got to get there. And it just never felt like that team had that drive in them. It never felt like they were led in the way. It felt like they were led in the way that Jerry Jones leads this team, which is we are the Dallas Cowboys. You present yourself because we are the Dallas Cowboys and not we're a team in the NFL and we need to go win the game. You can look at the fact that Dak Prescott had one of his worst games of the season. Threw that pick six, threw two picks in the game. He threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. But again, we know that 400 yards and three touchdowns can be eradicated pretty quickly by turnovers. We know if you're not, if you can't score in the red zone, that cost multiple teams. The Rams lost because they couldn't score in the red zone. You know, the Dolphins couldn't score in the red zone. I mean, they didn't get there very often, but they couldn't either. The Browns couldn't score in the red zone. These teams couldn't, you know, when teams can't score in the red zone, and Dallas had that problem all year long. Same team, week one, week 18, same team. It just ends up being a problem that you have that the Cowboys end up losing, and where do you go from here if you're the Dallas Cowboys? And we'll get into that more as the weeks go on. I've been a proponent of firing Mike McCarthy for a while. I don't know why I should stop now. I get it's a bit of an overreaction. I get you got to find that someone else out there who's better. Personally, I think Mike Vrabel's a better coach. Personally, I think Bill Belichick's a better coach. Personally, I think if Mike Tomlin's available after this, I think he's a better coach. I think there's at least three that that are out there. I don't know if you're going to get Bill Belichick because I don't know if you're going to let him do the shopping for the groceries. But this is a Cowboys team that I think needs change. I think they need to bring somebody in who does have a little bit of fire and intensity to go shake it up. I think Dan Quinn had some of that. But he seemed to get complacent by the end, and maybe that is because of the other job offers. Maybe that's because of all that. But it ends up being the Cowboys lose to the Packers. So I want to get your takes on the text line on that. Uh, of course, uh, everything about the Cowboys and the Packers. Get your opinion because, look, I, I mean, I've, we've had 24 hours to kind of stomach what happened, and all of it just seemed like every single problem the Cowboys had, the Packers knew and went after, and the Cowboys had no answer, even though those have been problems that we've talked about since early in the season. On the flip of that, the Browns and the Texans turns out the way you want. 
Browns 14, Texans 45. C.J. Stroud misses five, uh, five passes in the entire game. He goes 16 for 21 for 274 and three touchdowns. You see a team that wanted to run the ball. They didn't. They have not gotten to the point where they're running the ball more, but I don't know if that was ever their game plan the way it was for the Cowboys or allegedly was for the Cowboys. Devin Singletary, though, 5.1 yards per carry. Gets 66 yards on 13 carries, 5.1 yards per carry. If you're averaging 5.1, you're doing pretty good. And in reality, there was one guy who played a really good game on that Cleveland Browns defense, the JOK. He came out there and continued to sniff out the runs. And, I mean, if you take him out of that game for the Browns, I mean, it could have been a worse game for the Browns. He played an amazing game. But the Browns are not – they didn't have the matchup. Joe Flacco's turnovers were as as deadly as you could possibly have. Two turnovers in a game that lead to an immediate 14 points. That is just brutal when it was not a it was not out of question at that point. And uh, they're able to put the game away with two back-to-back pick sixes. C.J. Stroud, the Texans, that youthful – the fact that they still have something to prove – that they went out there with that attitude, they all have something to prove, that no one believes in them, they did have that underdog philosophy while still being out there to play their game. It's fun. It was fun to watch. It was There was some PTSD. There was some PTSD as a, as a Houston sports fan, a Houston football fan, that there's some PTSD that you get up 24 points in a game and you think, oh, God, how are we going to blow this one? Joe Flacco's really going to come back on us? But, man. Texans took care of business. They're looking good going into next week. Now you're going to play uh, most likely looking at what the, the score is right now in uh, Buffalo. You're most likely going to go play a Baltimore team. That's going to be a very uphill battle. Uh, the Ravens are just a much better team than uh, overall than the Browns are. The offense is much better, so you're going to have a bigger struggle on that side of the ball to keep up there. Uh, they don't have a Miles Garrett, but that won't matter at the end of the day. If you can get some other pressure and you can bring more options and you can kind of run a for a team like Micah Par- where Micah Parsons, where you could run away from him, and Miles Garrett, where you could run away from him, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, I think the Ravens have more options on that defensive end, but we'll see where that, and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Also, the Dolphins can't handle it, can't ever get the ball rolling. Dolphins lose the Chiefs 7-26. to uh, They only have 14 carries in the game by running backs. They, you're not, you can't play in a freezing cold game it's negative degrees in in Kansas City, and and you don't run the ball more. 39 passing attempts in a game like that. Uh, You know, it's it's the way the team was built. Uh, I think that's young coaching from Mike McDaniel, and as he progresses as a coach, they will get better. I think the bigger story out of this is it seems like Rasheed Rice has stepped up, and maybe, just maybe, the Chiefs have their wide receiver. They've got their number one now. And so if you have Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, that this is a Chiefs team that could now start to make a bigger run with the way that defense plays. That's starting to be a little scary. How well, how good Rasheed White Rice looked in this game. And finally, the Rams lose to the Lions 24-23, and that game, uh, really fun game, but red zone, not being able to get the plays in. Sean McVay took a team that oh, and overproduced with them. We saw a team that came back from injuries this season and, and, and put up a good fight, but it was great to watch the Lions fans get that victory. Uh, it'll be fun to watch the Lions. I still don't have a ton of faith in this Lions team, uh, but it was fun to watch them get a win last night. Uh, finally, a little last note to put in there. Uh, for, in the Harbaugh sweepstakes, the Jim Harbaugh sweepstakes, 
The apparent first team to call out and talk to him are the Chargers. Not a crazy fit there. A lot of talent on the Chargers. They're in win-now mode. He is in win-now mode. Uh, If you are not going to try and get uh, Bill Belichick, I think Harbaugh is another great name to put in there to try and win now. I don't know if he's a guy who would have to try and build a franchise, but with all the talent that's there, what he might be able to bring in there defensively, what he can bring into a place uh, with – you know, with hard-nosed guys like a, like a Bosa and a Mac, with a guy like with the offense and all the weapons they have there, that for a Harbaugh who may not spend a long time there because if he gets his Lombardi, who knows where he'll end up? Who knows if he goes back to college or if he goes somewhere else in the pros, if he takes him, who knows? And he may be okay just, you know, rebuilding there afterwards. But it makes sense. He was a San Francisco guy. Sandy, uh, now he'd be an L.A. guy. Go into that Chargers. I, I, it kind of makes sense, but we'll see as that uh, builds up as well. Uh, let's hit the big fat poll today because I do want to get to the text line sooner rather than later today because I do want to talk to you guys about the game. But let's hit the big fat poll because it's, it's going to be about the Cowboys. Of course it is. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. Easy question. Who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season? That's all we're asking you. Who should be the coach? Is it Mike McCarthy? You think, look, man, 12 wins. How can we bench him? How can we put him down? 12 wins. Is it Is it Bill Belichick? You got to go give him and, and hand, over the, hand over the keys to the car. Tell Jerry to take a back seat. Let Bill Belichick does what he do. And I just imagine those last couple of years were kind of an anomaly and Bill can still cook. Bill can still go do it. Do you go after a Jim Harbaugh? Bring him in and say we're ready to win now, but we need a winner. Do you go and and if the Packers look like they're going to lose today, the not the Packers, uh, the the Steelers look like they're going to lose today, do you go and call up Pittsburgh and say we'll give you a draft pick, we'll give you something to go go get our coach and get Mike Tomlin and bring in a little toughness to a team that looks soft a team that just didn't look like they were hard enough to go play, maybe go bring in some toughness with Mike Tomlin? Is it another coach? Do you want to see it a different way? you want to go younger? Tell me what you think. Who should be the next coach? Who should be the coach of the Cowboys? I won't say next coach. Who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season? Tell us on the text line, 512-447-3776. Any other takes, anything else you got for us, hit us up on the text line, 512-447-3776. We come back, we'll play some sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Rob B, talking about some good Texas news. We'll get into all that when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, Intel 60, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn.
That goes Sports Complex here on the horn. I guess you can you can probably guess this one. That we're playing cold songs and ice songs, frozen songs, and all that. As uh, it's a very cold, cold day here in Austin. Uh, so we're playing those all week long. Also, I always got to play Foreigner. My dog is named after Foreigner, named after the singer Lou Graham. That's how my dog got the name Lou. It's when I found him. It took four baths to get him clean. So I had to. So he's named Lou because he's the dirty white boy. It's another one of those great Foreigner songs you can go check out. But playing cold songs all week here on the Sports Complex. Uh, we're going to get to your text in just a little bit. 512-447-3776. We want you to sound off on the Cowboys, on the Texans, anything else you saw on all the great Texas news this weekend. And if you're worried at all of Johnny Nansen, you know, getting hired by Texas, but maybe, maybe taking the Arizona head coaching job now. Maybe taking that off. Put that in there. All that. Uh, we'll talk that on the text line. 512-447-3776. Well, as a poll of the day, uh, who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season? Who should be the coach? Uh, but let's play you some stuff. Uh, Rod Babers and Aaron Hogan go behind the burn orange curtain this morning talking about that great Texas news. Uh, here's some input from a man who played at Texas on a uh, hook him up replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, a lot of big news on the 40 Acres. Let's talk about the things that we know that have already happened. Jaday Barron did make an announcement via social media. It was a video that actually involved uh, Michael Huff. Huff Daddy wasn't involved in it, uh, so shout out to Huff Daddy. And I assume it's going to be a jersey change here. Uh, not really sure because – Seven, yeah. Yeah, Huff Daddy did give him this number seven jersey, and then there was some uh, some theater about it. So I'm assuming that – and then at the Thorpe, Thorpe Award involved in it, so it's pretty cool. You should go check it out on social media. But anyway, the uh, the the crux of the announcement essentially is that he's coming back to the 40 Acres, so Jaday Barron will return um, – we don't know exactly return and exactly how he's going to play the nickelback or if he's going to play, you know, some other position because um, Makuba is coming in too. Makuba can play nickel and safety. But it's really interesting to see. I think they should cross train him. I've been saying this for a while. The I think the pitch for him to win the Thorpe, he's not going to just win the Thorpe because I don't know if he's going to make enough plays on the ball for them to just say, oh, yeah, it's going to be a Thorpe award winner, I believe. Maybe this year he could have been a semifinalist. If he wants to win the Thorpe, the pitch has got to be he's the most versatile defensive back in the country. Period. That's the pitch. Because even if he doesn't make a lot of plays on the football and doesn't have a lot of splash plays, still you can show off his versatility week to week. And that alone, especially with now you have entities like Pro Football Focus, you have Sports uh, Info Solutions, you have all these different, you know, uh, data-driven uh, entities that will be able to figure out, oh, man, this guy's playing a lot of different roles on the team, which he can do. He can play safety which he's done sparingly at times. You've played him at corner. You've played him at nickel mostly. I think you should move, move him around. And with the versatility now that you're bringing in, I mean, think about it. You're bringing in Makuba, who's a versatile DB. Uh, Dabble says he can play any position in the secondary. I think Jade Barron can play any position in the secondary. I think Derek Williams, who's going to be your starting safety, can play safety and can play nickel. Those guys sh- should be interchangeable as your three inside defensive backs, right? Your, you know, they, and I know that's kind of going toward a three safety defense, but it's not. It's just being able to uh, be less rigid and more malleable defensively. When you're rigid and you have your nickel that has to play a certain role and has to be aligned a certain way in a certain coverage, uh, that rigidity essentially gives off clues and hints. 
to the to the to the offense about what coverage you're in, right, and what front you're in. And there are times which Dave Aaron wouldn't travel in certain coverages. Um, that's when teams got into manipulating matchups with the safeties, which formationally with three by one sets or with formation in the boundary into uh, you know kind of. Uh, counter against that for Texas, you make your defensive backs, well, they're all malleable. They're all essentially interchangeable. They can play safety. They can play nickel. So there isn't a matchup disadvantage for them or a matchup advantage for the offense like you found this year. Guys, think about it. Late in the season, teams were picking on Jade Barron late just because they had figured out the rules of the defense Based on the formation, they knew where his leverage was. They, they knew exactly what leverage he was going to play. They knew exactly what technique he was going to play. They knew uh, the rules of the defense kind of based on his alignment. So his two worst games of the season were when? Oklahoma State and Washington. Well, and it wasn't because he's not a great player. It's because by then we know his skill set also, but we also know the rules he has to play by. And I think you can you can give the – offense, uh, I would say maybe misinformation by having defensive backs that are more malleable, that are interchangeable, instead of having oh, your nickel has to play this alignment, this leverage, this technique in this coverage with this front all the time. And I just think it gave – that's why late in the season, I don't even think it was Jaday Barron's fault a lot of the time. Some of it was because there were a lot of double moves and out and ups. But for a guy like Jaday Barron, you want to sell him as a Thorpe Award finalist – I think you – by the way, I think he may be the most versatile DB in the country. He's definitely one of them. I think you sell that, and the way you do it is not only do you uh, prom- you kind of uh, promote and you, 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 you deploy and weaponize his versatility week to week based on the matchups, um, but then also I think you can do it with all of your inside defensive backs. I think they have that ability, Derek Williams and also Makuba, who you're bringing in. So that's how I would do it, and that's why I would sell it. I mean, if he comes back, he's going to make a lot of plays, but you're also going to have a narrative to sell, and that would be the narrative that I sell if I'm Texas. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, we, we've talked about eight DBs moving on to the NFL or into the uh, transfer portal. Pretty clear that Texas wanted to go a different direction, as you just talked about, in mm-hmm. the type of defensive backs they deploy. And, you know, when you just, you know, take what you just said with versatility, with three safeties who can play multiple positions, uh, two young corners in Terrence Brooks and uh, Manny Muhammad, who you feel like, uh, you know, with another year of development are going to be really good outside corners. I mean, uh, going after this Jabbar Muhammad, too. And they're Malik also – Malik Muhammad's kinfolk, yeah, his cousin. And Michael Taff. I mean, that's the, the beginnings of a, of a pretty darn good secondary. And, yeah, the, that's the other development of the weekend on the portal side is that uh, with Washington's coach, Kalen DeBoer, leaving to go to Alabama, you know, uh, Jabbar Muhammad, who we saw in the national cha- in the uh, semifinal game, and flo- very aggressive player, war number one for Washington, made some really nice plays against Texas. Um, and he is cousin to Manny Muhammad. Yes, he is. Uh, report, our friend Jerry Hamilton of uh, On3 Sports reported that, Cowboy, uh, that uh, Longhorn coaches were in Dallas to meet with Muhammad. Uh, as a portal prospect over the weekend. So keep an eye on that name. And then, yeah, then it came down yesterday, Rod, with the Isaiah Bond situation, the wide receiver. It's big. You know, we've talked a lot here behind the burn orange curtain and about Texas that they're overhauling their secondary. So, you know, to, to get a Andrew Makuba, uh, a three-year starter at Clemson on a really good defense, an experienced player from this area to come back and then get Jade Barron to stay and stick, uh, huge for the secondary. Then receiver, you're placing almost all your catches. And your explosiveness, yeah. uh, where were you going to find that? Well, Nick Saban up and retires last Tuesday. 
and pretty quickly the first player into the portal was their leading receiver, Isaiah Bond, and he's already committed to Texas after coming in for the weekend. Uh, I mean, elite speed, Rod. He's out of Buford, long. Georgia. Yeah. In, in, in At the highest level of high school football in Georgia, he won the 100-meter and the 200-meter as a junior in the track team in Georgia. So we know he's explosive and can run and uh, still developing as a wide receiver. But, you know, you're about to get him for his, what, junior – He's coming here. He, he talked to uh, Pete Thamel. Uh, no, no, it was Pete Thamel. He talked to one of the recruiting insiders and basically said he's coming here. It's a business decision, not that he's making money from NIL, but that he wants to improve his draft stock. Yes, he wants, he much like A.D. Mitchell, right? He wants to come in as a, as a piece of a, a guy that look, is fast and we know he's explosive, but he said he wants to improve his draft stock mm-hmm. and put himself in a better position for the NFL and feels like the Texas offense with Quinn Ewers and an experienced offensive line can give him that opportunity to showcase his skill. Yeah, it was Pete Thamel. His, uh, his quote was, um, just like the business world, you make the best decision for your company. My company right now is my draft stock. I feel like I'm putting myself in position to increase that um, and, I, and have better draft stock. He also said playing for Steve Sarkeesian with quarterback Quinn Ewers were main attractions 100%. He said of Ewers, he's a great big-time pocket-passing quarterback. He's a top pick in the draft next year. I'm also going to be a top pick. It's going to be a great duo. So, yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> – and that's, that's part of the sales pitch for Texas. And, you know, that was – they're replacing probably 80% of their overall passing game. If you look at, you know, the JT Sanders in there with the three wide receivers that are leaving, with the transfer portal guys, with Jay, uh, Jonathan Brooks that's leaving, and yet it became something that was – it went from being an area of concern and anxiety for Longhorn fans, and in probably a week's time now with Isaiah Bond, Matthew Golden now thrown in the mix as well, uh, and you got a young Jonte Cook who's going to be, you know, obviously I think he's going to be a great receiver too. Uh, and Ryan Wingo, young guys coming in via the recruiting class. I mean, you got, what, two four-stars and two five-stars now that are look, look to be the – uh, this, the the top four front runners to be in the rotation of wide receiver. If I have to pick four guys to be in that circle of trust that I talk about with Sark because he doesn't like a a heavy rotation of wide receivers. It's going to be a really tight uh, rotation of wide receivers. Uh, it'll probably be right now. I think it'll be Jontae Cook, Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, and I take a young Ryan Wingo. Uh, he or DeAndre Moore likely to yeah. emerge as the, the receivers for Texas. Those are, all those guys have elite traits and skills. And they're they're NFL wide receivers, in my opinion. And then you wonder if a guy like Savion Red continues to evolve as his uh, Swiss Army knife kind of player, right? That running back, wildcat, or red cat as we called it. Plus, mm-hmm. he played receiver his first year. Could he kind of fill that Jordan Whittington physical kind of player role? We'll see. However, Sark, uh, but he does have pieces to play with in the, uh, the Seems game. Seems like he's going with explosive speed, right? All these guys have that kind of commonality. You know, Isaiah Bond, you talked about his top-end speed. Jontae Cook's a guy. He's all around, but uh, he can he, he hit a top-end speed on you. Yeah, uh, Matthew Golden's explosive, right? He was one of the best kick returners in the country because that guy in space, he can be a problem. Um, and I think it feels like that's where uh, Sark is going. He wants – he wants more speed on the field. Well, and Ryan, Ryan Wingo, Wingo is a guy, yeah. And Ryan Wingo also brings speed <laughs> with size. Different. Yes. Right? And, yeah. you're, and you're run after the catch. Probably looking to replace a little bit of that A.D. Mitchell and a size, right? They can go up and win the contested catches, plays, the one-on-one balls. Uh, but good stuff right there. So Isaiah Bond is in. 
Uh, Jade Barron coming back to join Andrew Makuba, his buddy, from the 5-1-2. And then we'll get to the Dwayne Aquina story and where it stands. It's not official. It's not official official yet. But I think it's – trending Yeah, I think it will be official. I think it – you know, I think it will be done. And it's – you know, but I think – We'll talk about what that impact can be when it does become official. But we'll also say this. It's good. When you talk about, you know, your portal plays, the Longhorns have now added, by my count, four players in the portal or five? Four? Five. Uh, Uh, They've lost 13 in the portal. So far. Yeah. Uh, Charles Wright, by the way, the Longhorn oh, former uh, quarterback, committed to Appalachian State over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you're right. You're right. Four, because it's Trey Moore, Makuba, Matthew Golden, and now Isaiah Bond. Bond. Yeah, those are your four. Yeah, it's, yeah you're right. You're four. And I saw a tweet from Matt Miller, who is the ESPN draft scout. Yeah. When you're bringing in players through the portal who the draft guys are already looking at, I mean, that's the third one. I mean, when you're talking about the, those draft guys build their top 100 board, mm-hmm. Andrew McCuba's already on it yeah. for next year. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Bond's already on it. Mm-hmm. And then Trey, Trey Moore, Moore is Trey already Moore's on it. it. Yeah. So if the NFL draft guys are going, oh, man, these guys, the long ones are not just picking up dudes. They're picking up production guys that we're watching. That's pretty good because that, and the, all those guys are coming here to, to play in bigger spotlight games and improve their draft stock. Yeah. You know, if, if Jade Barron wants to be the Thorpe Award winner, Andrew Makuba probably like to be in the conversation about the Thorpe Award too, yeah. potentially, So and improve his draft stock. Both of those guys will be jockeying for that conversation. And then, yeah, I, you know, Isaiah Bond wants to replace Xavier Worthy as the, maybe the go-to receiver at Texas. And Trey Moore, bring that edge rusher that Texas has been lacking who can get to the quarterback. Had 14 sacks, 14 and a half sacks for UTSA last year. Plus Matthew Golden, an impact player, both at receiver and on special teams. Good stuff there from Hook 'em Up with Ian Robby. Weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on The Horn. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to the text line. 512-447-3776. Poll today, who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season? Tell us who you got. Tell us who you think it should be. Someone uh, someone we all know, Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Mike Vrabel, Jim Harbaugh, someone maybe not be thinking about. Do you want to go try and steal from the Texans and get Bobby Slowick and bring some youth in there? Another young guy, Ben Johnson from the Lions, somebody like that. Do you want to bring that in? Do you want to go completely off the rails? You just want to bring back Jimmy Johnson? What do you want to do? 512-447-3776. What do you guys want? Uh, to have on who you want to be the coach of the Cowboys, or maybe just Mike McCarthy. Maybe this is all we're all overreacting on a Monday. Is it Mike McCarthy? Let us know there. And any other takes on uh, the game? Any other takes on uh, the weekend for Texas football? Any other week uh, for Texas basketball? We'll get to that in the five o'clock. Let us know. Five one two four four seven three seven seven six is the text line on a MLK Day show here of the Sports Complex. Right back on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn.
Back on the sports complex here on the horn. Text lines open 512-447-3776. Oh, Steelers trying to get on the board. Oh, they're not going to be able to do it. Buffalo uh, goes for a field goal. Steelers block the field goal. Uh, but cannot get the pickup and run back, which may be the one of the only ways that uh, Buffalo would be or Pittsburgh would be able to store in this game. Uh, but yes, uh, Buffalo is up twenty-one to nothing right now on Pittsburgh after a blocked field goal attempt. Uh, I don't know if that's the kicker who was got up in hobbling and walking off for Buffalo would be a problem. Maybe he didn't want to make a tackle, but he is coming up short. I don't know if that's the punter or the kicker or the holder who ends up coming up short, but uh, probably a loss there for uh, the Bills on a block field goal. Not a play where you want to see an injury happen if you are a Bills fan. All right, uh, let's get to the text line, 512-447-3776. We're asking you who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season, any other takes, and I see a trend I see a trend on the text line. We'll see if it continues through the 5 o'clock hour. By the way, I appreciate you guys tuning in uh, uh, on a MLK day where I know a lot of people are having the day off. I know a lot of people uh, may not be trying to be on the roads today because of the conditions, uh, but I appreciate you being with me, whether you're working like I am or uh, whether, you are, uh, whether you're just having a day off and still tuning in. We appreciate you here on the horn tuning in. Uh, texter said, first of all, Nate did say before the show started, take it easy, PD. I'm happy for you. So I appreciate you, Nate. Uh, I understand if you, if you don't want to listen to sports radio today, I know sometimes I don't want to, uh, after big losses. So I get it. I, I'm not going to be, I wasn't too mean on them. They just sucked. They just sucked. They need to make some changes. They didn't all season. So, uh, off season will be the time to do it now. Uh, texter says, uh, Breaking news, the Dallas Cowboys have hired a new coach. Kerry, coach Jerry Jones will take the official title of head coach. I see that one. Another texter said, uh, just sent in Jerry Jones to answer the question of who uh, will be the next coach. I do see that. A uh, couple people really going on board with the uh, Jerry Jones uh, hatred, which I get. I get. And I'll tell you what, we'll go more into that. As uh, as the season goes, as as we continue the show today, uh, the Jerry Jones, Adrian, which is not wrong. Jerry Jones is definitely part of the problem. He's definitely there. There's definitely a factor of Jerry Jones not being, you know, of being too hands on in this organization and not having football people, and then his own ego and drafting Deuce Vaughn so he can get on TV and Deuce Vaughn doesn't play all season long, but he wants to get in the documentary and have the feel good moment of giving it, so he drafts Deuce Vaughn instead of getting a running back. At a different point in the draft where he should have, he uh, he did, then doesn't sign another running back because he wants because he wants to show that he was right that they should have kept Zeke because he wanted to keep his buddy, he wanted to keep his friend Zeke Elliott, so he doesn't sign a guy there. He does not make a, big acquisitions, and, and in reality, I think the biggest problem that he has running the team and not having someone else do it is they'll never go all in, and sometimes you have to make those big moves in those big risky things. I mean, if you just look at the Texans making a big risky decision to trade up and give up a first-round draft pick to get Will Anderson in the trade they made. That's something that a lot of teams wouldn't do, and it's something that a owner would usually never do because if you're owning the team and running the team and you know you have no intention to sell, you don't want to leverage your future to have three or four or five more bad seasons. And Jerry remembers when he leveraged his future before to try and win and trying to get that, trying to keep the drives alive in the late 90s and how – 
and how it turned out in the in the down years for the Cowboys and the Quincy Carter years and all of that, where they were competitive but not really, and they took forever to get back on their feet. And I don't think he wants to do that. He doesn't want to give up his draft picks. He likes picking on on the draft day. He likes having that, so he doesn't want to give up his picks. He likes he doesn't like getting rid of his players. He doesn't like doing free agency. There's a lot of problems with Jerry Jones, but I, I will add into that. I have a problem with Mike McCarthy letting every player get drafted that he was getting drafted wasn't his decision. He didn't draft Deuce Vaughn. That's a Jerry Jones pick. Why was Mozzie Smith the first guy drafted? Yeah, they need a defensive tackle, sure, but why is why is Mike McCarthy not fighting for his guys? Why is he not getting guys on the offensive end? Why is he not getting a running back? Why is he not making the offensive decisions? It feels like Mike McCarthy was letting Jerry Jones do everything he wanted and he goes, oh, I'll win with those players. And you can't have that. You have to have somebody who at least wants to go in and try and convince Jerry of what to do, who wants to go in there and put up the work to convince Jerry that this is the right way to do it. And whether you have to convince him by making it seem like his own idea or what he got to do, that's what you want in a coach. It doesn't feel like Mike McCarthy's ever been that guy. feels like Mike McCarthy's happy to be the coach. He's happy to coach the games. He's happy to be hands-off in other areas. And you can't do that if you're the Cowboys head coach, even though Jerry Jones wants it to be. You can't do that because you understand Jerry's not a football guy as much as he wants to be. And he's in the Hall of Fame. He's everything else. But he's not an ex-football player who sits there and knows the ins and outs the ways he needs to. He's also a much older guy, which makes it harder to judge how the game is moved. It's just hard. It passes you by at a point. And how can you go back and look at the changes of the game? He has to look at those. So, yes, it is Jerry Jones' fault, but it's Mike McCarthy's fault. It's Dan Quinn's fault. It's every player on that team who couldn't get up for a playoff game because they thought they already won it. It's everyone's fault. So, as much as we can go on Jerry Jones, and it's an easy target. It is everyone's fault. My man Chan says, uh, <laughs> Green Bay, baby, the Jerry J curse lives on. It's karma. Go Texans. Green Bay's defense kept everything in front and forced Dallas' offense to be patient. They did keep guys in front. They did try and take away explosive plays. If you look at explosive plays, I think Dallas had two. I think they had two explosive plays, maybe three, and Green Bay kept getting them over and over again, uh, which you just can't allow. You can't allow consistent explosive plays uh, because it's they're demoralizing, they're beating on you, and it just, you know, as much as Dallas wants to, you know, be able to go in front, you have, then you have to have a run game. If they had a run game and could run effectively for five, six yards of carry – with a couple backs and change it up and just beat them down and run the ball 25 times a game, then maybe Green Bay doesn't get out to that big lead up front. You're able to put up some points. Uh, uh, Texter says, I hate the Cowboys. Keith McCarthy, he's the best thing they could do for the rest of the league. <laughs> just some Cowboys hating today. I'm not Cowboys hating. I feel bad. I didn't like it. I didn't like watching that game. I mean, I'm a Texans fan. But I was rooting for the Cowboys. I didn't want to see them be this bad again. And, and, you know, I didn't want to be right about Mike McCarthy. I wanted to be proven wrong that Mike McCarthy could get his team to win a big game and could do that. He couldn't. But, and we're still not going to see it. You know, we, we know that Jerry Jones is where, you know, he's trying to give the 24-hour rule before he does anything rash. He's not going to fire Mike McCarthy in the moment. But he's he's definitely... He's definitely looking at it right now. He's definitely looking and seeing if there's a better option out there. I'm sure that they're now those DAC conversations are changing, you know, but then we'll see after 24 hours what will happen next. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. 
Uh, we'll give you another update here on the Steelers and the Bills game. Uh, we'll get into some basketball talk as well. Recap the top stories from Texas football and more of your text, 512-447-3776 here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.